Let's talk planting the seeds, fires, destroying farmland in three provinces is what we are zooming in on today. So more than one million hectares of grazing land have been lost to wildfires in the northwest, Free State and Northern Cape this year. In the latest wildfire, between 25,000 hectares and 28,000 hectares were burnt down in Fentersburg uh, in the Free State. To date, the northwest had lost some 550,000 hectares, the Northern Cape about 270,000 hectares, and the Free State well over 300,000 hectares. So our next guest estimates that the replacement value of the grazing land lost amounted to 2.5 billion rand. Eric Stock joins us now, who is chairperson of the Northwest Umbrella Fire Protection Association. Thanks so much, Eric, for joining us. Good morning to you. Good morning, ma'am. Thank you for having me on board. It's our pleasure. I mean, we're just talking about the fire at the Mabato Palms now. We're talking fires in farms as well. Uh, let's talk, first of all, what you guys do. You're, what is a fire protection association and how you guys were established? The Fire Protection Association is established in terms of Act 101 of 1998. Uh, the National Felt and Forest Fire Act was established specifically to control fires, uh, to prevent fires, and to mitigate fires in the various areas of the community. The fire protection associations represent all landowners uh, in a specific area, including state-owned land who have to join the fire protection association, where you have the Private landowners have the right in terms of the national constitution uh, to freedom of association and therefore they may join the Fire Protection Association if they wish. So what is the Northwest Umbrella Fire Protection Association responsible for? We have got uh, 20 fire protection associations in the province that we represent and four district fire protection associations in the Northwest. We have one fire protection association per municipality, except for the J.B. Marks municipality where we have two, one representing Fentestorp and Potterstrom. Okay. So does anyone know then, in terms of Northwest, the province, what the majority of fires are as a result of? Yes, ma'am. We have a satellite program that we monitor on a daily basis. And uh, with the program, it actually tells you where the fires start or where they are burning. And we then ground truth the, these fires where we have our members on the ground who are all volunteers, they are unpaid. It is usually landowners or farmers who go out to combat the fires because there is not one municipality in the province that is in a position to actually protect its communities with regard to the fire brigade services. They are totally under-resourced in terms of human beings. In other words, trained personnel on the ground, also as well as uh, resources in terms of firefighting equipment. When the government came up with a concept of border-to-border municipalities, they never took it into consideration that the areas have increased enormously. However, they didn't increase the number of firefighting equipment uh, as well. Uh, to then look after the the interest of the communities. Therefore, the communities are the first responders. They have to look after their own interests, and they have to look after the community at large. 
And speaking about that, I mean, as an environmental and industrial sociologist, you are driven to educate children and you work with government departments and local municipalities on uh, that education of, of communities if they're going to have to take th- things on their, in their hands sometimes. You're also active in disaster management and risk d- reduction. What do we need to know uh, about fires as communities that we don't know or that we have misperceptions about? Fires are not all bad. In certain instances, controlled burns are required, for example, for cleaning blocks of land, for plowing purposes, or even for uh, removing waste vegetation that the animals aren't eating or uh, alien vegetation. However, fire breaks have to be made. We have to make what we call a fire break is known as a fire belt internationally. This is something that can be done in terms of either burning or uh, spraying poison on a certain area or actually grading it mechanically with tractors or graders. Mm -hmm. And every owner of land in the country, this includes now state-owned enterprises, government departments, municipalities, and private landowners, have to make a fire break or to prevent a fire from spreading from their property onto a neighbor's property. And the important part is you've also got to prevent a fire from going from a neighbor through your property onto somebody else's property. If you as a landowner do not have the necessary fire break or fire belt in place, nor the equipment, nor the trained personnel who are equipped with a designated officer, you are deemed negligent until you can prove you are not negligent in terms of law. Mm. So this is a very important point that many of our people aren't aware of uh, I've attended a number of meetings with communities, with uh, uh, CPAs or even with government departments where the people say to us that they were not aware that they had to either be a member of the Fire Protection Association or that there were certain statutory requirements that they had to adhere to to ensure the safety of not only themselves, the personnel, but also of their neighbours and the communities. You mentioned firefighting equipment not being increased over the years in terms of those who are respondents. So has have people been injured then while uh, fighting fires in the northwest uh, in yes. the years? Yes, ma'am. Unfortunately, we've had an incident uh, where one of our firefighters who's a volunteer uh, had an accident with his motor vehicle after responding uh, at a fire in a neighboring town. Um, Mr. Uh, Isaac Potriter of Hartebiersfontein was injured. He had been at a, a fire, and uh, the, the report is that he had taken in a lot of smoke, mm. and the smoke inhalation had left him not feeling well, and on his way home, he had an accident with his vehicle, and the vehicle rolled twice, and he broke his neck and was paralyzed. And what makes me beyond angry is the fact that there was no assistance made available from government to assist a volunteer who had driven many kilometers away from his own home to go and fight uh, fires on other people's property that he didn't know, on property belonging to white, black, green, pink people. It doesn't matter. Mm. He went to go and fight a fire. But when he was in need or his family was in need, Government did not respond to come and assist, and this makes me very bitter. However, communities from all over the country came together to pay towards his medical expenses. But unfortunately, uh, last night uh, he uh, gave up the fight uh, 
and we have lost a very valiant firefighter and our sincere condolences go out to Sonia, his wife and the family. This has hit us as firefighters very hard. Yesterday was a very, very difficult day for us in the command center uh, to have lost somebody and you have the feeling of helplessness that isn't anything else that you could have done to have prevented something like this from happening. And we are fighting to try and get all our volunteers onto a some other program where the medical can be at least covered if somebody is involved in a fire. At the moment, we have seven other firefighters who have been injured in the last two or so weeks, just in the Dr. Kenneth Cohen district. And the reason for this, I believe, is mainly because the fires are extremely hot and the wind is very strong, mm. plus the fact that our firefighters have been fighting for a long time. They are tired. They're starting to make mistakes. We don't have enough people to spell them. In other words, to give them the opportunity to go home, to go and shower, eat, to sleep, and then come back to the fire. So people have been fighting for very long, and now they're making small mistakes or, or there are problems that we are making uh, because of the fact that our people are tired and overstretched. And our condolences as well go out uh, to your colleague, as you well as you guys, who are also reading from the loss. Let's talk farmers uh, now, and we've got a message from Donald in Rustenburg, who's saying uh, he likes the slot. Uh, he's a farmer as well, and he's also just adding that farmers must be equipped with firefighting kits, and they must always be trained so they can respond to these destructive infernos. So, in terms of farmers, uh, what are the uh, so what are the what's, what type of assistance would you offer, and maybe also just for the farming community, some advice on how to deal with fires? You spoke of fire breaks being important. Yes, ma'am. Uh, usually, the fire protection associations in an area determine the period uh, when the fire breaks have to be made. They also determine the width of a fire break. For example, on small properties, you will not be expected to make a very big fire break the same way that perhaps the Lansburg Game Reserve would make, or an area like the military where we make a 100-meter fire break because they have shooting um, areas where they're bringing G5 and G6 cannons. So these people do training on windy days. Therefore, their fire breaks have to be a lot bigger and a lot wider okay. uh, than uh, the normal farmer. But then also, as I said, you can either use chemical means or you can move it, remove the combustible material. And this is the key. You have to remove all combustible material. Cutting grass like the way Sunroll does it on the side or on the shoulders of the roads mm -hmm. is not considered a fire break by the Northwest Umbrella Fire Protection Association because most of our fires, and I kind of didn't really answer your question earlier, what causes the, the majority of the fires in the province? And our biggest problem is people getting out of the vehicle, uh, stopping to uh, maybe relieve themselves on the side of the road, uh, leaving a cigarette pack there, or making a fire while they're waiting for a taxi. As soon as the taxi comes, they get in the vehicle and they drive away and they leave the fire unattended. Mm. You also have a vehicle that breaks down on the side of the road and the exhaust then ignites the grass because the fire break wasn't made. So that's the one part. The second part, which is a major problem for us, when it's very strong winds, the Eskom lines either fall over or the, the wires mm. touch or the cables touch and it sparks under the, the, the lines and if Eskom is non-compliant, they're not members of the Fire Protection Association, they don't make fire breaks, and they're a big problem. And then the final 
major problem that we have is Transnet, who, with the trains going past which cause sparks, or even the personnel who go and service the, fire, the, the railway lines in winter with grinders and, and cutting torches. For example, in the Makwasi Hills uh, local municipality, where we actually have it on video, where the Eskim, uh, where the Transnet people actually uh, lit the cell by accident while they were working, and it caused uh, fires in the area for mm-hmm. the third time running for three years running on the same property all right unfortunately we are out of time let's just get your details in terms of how farmers can connect with you um by uh, our email address is nwufpa at gmail.com or on 071-077-6653 all right 071-077-6653 Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Let's leave it there. Eric Stock, chairperson of the Northwest Umbrella Fire Protection Association. We have a final voice note.